Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a new series entitled The Voice. In a noisy world, how do believers train themselves to tune out all the secondary voices and listen to God? In this series, we'll be learning how to listen and apply the voice of God in our daily lives. Now here's Dr. Benji Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing today, church? We're doing good? I want to welcome you here at Central Campus. I want to uh, welcome all of our campuses. And I'm not going to list them, but you know exactly who you are. We love you guys. Welcome to this great, great Palm Sunday as we start this incredible week heading straight toward... You guys ready? You guys ready for Easter? Here's my question, seriously, to everybody at all the campuses. Who are you inviting? Who are you bringing? Because I've looked at the order of worship. I know where we're going. It is going to be incredible. And if we celebrate this kind of Easter and we keep it all to ourselves, we are missing something. Amen? So, like, seriously... You and I, just you and me, picture us having coffee together, right? I'm asking you, and I want this question to challenge you and encourage you, maybe even haunt you this week. Who are you investing and inviting to one of our 84 Easter celebrations? Who are you inviting? Bring somebody to the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, let's go get this today. We are in uh, we are in the voice. We are in part three. And you know, can I just say we have had three amazing Sundays lately. Sometimes I think we keep going so quick into the future that we stop to actually just praise God for what He has done. Do you remember three weeks ago when we had the Holy Communion moment and we wrapped up guardrails? Remember that? At all of our campuses and we all came forward and we received the body and the blood of Christ and we wrote on the guardrail what area we were asking God to protect us and give us the wisdom to plant guardrails. Two weeks ago we kicked off this series called The Voice and we found our identity in Christ, right? Remember that? And I talked to you about how you learn to fight from victory instead of for victory. And I challenged all of you to go to my blog, and I've listed like, actually, I think it's like 30 to 40 or 50 identity statements from the scriptures. That was a good Sunday. Amen? Then last Sunday, come on, we looked at the historical nature of the Bible and how by far this book is the most authoritative, the most reliable book ever written in the history of the world. That was a good Sunday. Amen? So I just think we ought to stop and just praise God for what he's been doing lately. Amen? I've shown, I've sh- I-, I shared with you how the, the, the precious children at the Ark Orphanage in uh, Nairobi blessed me when I got up to teach them what I thought was the American God is good. All the time God is good. And I got up to teach them this and I walked them through and they sat there just so sweet. Just listening to me as if I was teaching them something. And then when we got to the end, I said, God is good all the time, all the time. And they said, God is good because that's his nature. Woo! And I told him I was going to bring that back and teach, teach the church in the West. So you got it. We've done this a time or two. I think it's hard to remember what services you do it in. But you got it. Now you can't go, because that's his nature. You got to say, because that's his nature. Woo! I'm going to loosen some of you up today. Ready? God is good. All the time. Oh, give yourself a hand. That's awesome. So let's go get this today, church. No, no, no time to play around. The Bible continues to be the most revered book in all the world. In fact, no other book comes even close to having been read and reread as much as the good book. Every year, millions of Bibles are printed in the U.S., so many that George Gallup notes the exact number would be impossible to determine. Take out your teaching notes. It's the green program card Take some notes. Let me, let me talk to you about a few things. And for some of you, this might be brand new. I was amazed at the comments that came in last week as we just actually put on our thinking caps and talked about some of this. Let me talk to you about Bible ownership. Most Americans still own a Bible. I hope everybody in here owns a Bible. 
If you don't, we give them away at the free resource center, free, pick one up. In fact, 92% of households in America own at least one copy of the Bible. How many? Bible reading, let's talk about that. 59% of Americans reported that they read the Bible at least occasionally. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to be funny, but anyway, glad it was. 59% say they read the Bible at least occasionally. I hope that's you. According to the Barna Research Group, those who read the Bible regularly spend about 52 minutes a week in Scripture. 52 minutes. Hey, which gender do you think is most faithful in Bible reading? <laughs> wow. They just are better at that than us, aren't they? Right? Women, that does not mean you are better than us. Let me just state it for the record. Just kidding. They are better at reading than us, though. Men, men are not the, 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 the best readers. We're doers. We, we sometimes are, we struggle with this. But women, 42% are more likely than men, 32%, to have read the Bible in the past week. You only beat us by 10%, women. What version do you think people refer, prefer? As of 2007, those who read the Bible preferred Old King Jimmy over the New International Version. That kind of surprises me. Five to one. Surprises some of you, I can tell. Let's talk about Bible study, right? Bible study. 14% of Americans currently belong to a Bible study group or what we call in our model what? Life groups. You so get the vision of this church. Life groups. About 14%. How about Bible knowledge? It's one thing to talk about reading the Bible, right? It's another thing to talk about knowledge. Gallup reports, despite the impressive statistics concerning Bible reading and study, it is apparent that ignorance about its content <laughs> is widespread. <laughs> hey, I love George Barna. He just tells it like it is. And unless you don't think that is true, Jay Leno went out on the streets and did some jaywalking. And he asked people about the Bible. We might as well honor a little Jay since he's no longer on uh, nightly entertainment. Instead, who took his place? Jimmy Fallon. He's awesome. I've been enjoying Jimmy Fallon. And in fact, I, I'm going to be posting an article about what the church can learn from Jimmy Fallon. It's incredible. Um, um, but for real, I'm, I'm not making that up. Watch that show. There's something very important. That, and then we're going to have some fun with that kind of stuff later too about the church being relevant. But Jay Leno went out and hit the streets, right? He hit, hit the streets and he talked to people about the Bible. Take a look. We're talking with Angela Clayton. Angela, where are you from? I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Let me still have the Bible Belt, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay, well, that's what we're asking people about today. Okay. On the first day of creation, God said, Let there be peace. Oh. <laughs> Finish this quote Blessed are the meek, for they shall. Eat. <laughs> um, you're from Kentucky? Yes, I'm yeah. from Kentucky. How many commandments are there? Twelve. Twelve. I would not go back to Kentucky anytime soon. No. Uh, Chris, would you say you're a religious person? Yes. So you know the Bible pretty well? Mm hmm What was Eve created from? Eve was created from... The night. The what? The night. The night? Yeah. Now, what is Tony Roma's famous for serving? Ribs. What was Eve created from? A cow? What was Tony Roma's famous for serving? Ribs. All right, what was Eve created from? Ribs. Oh, that's right, that's right. That's right. Okay. Fill in the blank. Cain and... The barbarian. <laughs> and who was swallowed by the whale? Pinocchio. Pinocchio. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay, who was swallowed by the whale? Uh, Moby Dick. Moby Dick? Is Moby Dick in the Bible? <laughs> Moby Dick? What Bible are you reading? Okay, how long did it rain when Noah made his ark? All day. Oh. All day? Pretty much, a, pretty much a bad day in the rain. I don't know. Where was Jesus born? He was born... I don't know. You don't know any Christmas carols? Oh, little town. Bethlehem. Yeah, there you go. Very good, sir. And how long ago was he born, approximately? Ooh. I'd say 400 years ago. 400 years ago. 500 years ago. So about the time 
Columbus came over. Wow, I was so wrong. Yeah. What is a rabbi? That's a, I think that's like a priest. And what religion? Oh, God, I thought on girlfriends. Girlfriends? <laughs> they had a rabbi on girlfriends? Yeah, he was Jewish. But Jewish? Is that a religion? Is that a religion? Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. And what did Noah do? He built an ark. And why? What is an ark? An ark, it was the huge boat that he put all the animals on because of the flood. Yeah, and what, what happened? That Jesus flooded the earth. Jesus <laughs> flooded the earth, just fed up, flooded the earth, and, uh, well, Jesus was a carpenter. Did he help build the ark? I believe so. Okay. What did Moses do to the Red Sea? He parted the Red Sea. And why? Why did he do that? He parted the Red Sea um, to let someone through. Let someone through? One, one? No, I think to let the ark through? To let the ark through. So Noah... Now, let me ask you a question. Doesn't the ark float on water? <laughs> so Noah comes along with the ark. You park the Red Sea. Now the ark is beach. It's stuck in the sand because you parted the Red Sea. And Muslims belong to what religion? Who knows? <laughs> You just got a prison and you turn into one. You just go to, wow, wow. All right, I can't do anything better than that. Thanks for that. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so the Bible is still very popular. Many people own it. Some people read it. But our Bible knowledge leaves not a little but a lot to be desired. And I am making no bones about this. What I am trying to do in this series is to get you enamored, even for the first time or for the second or third time, enamored with this good book. Because it is the most uniquely inspired book on the planet. In this book is God's voice. In this book is God's Wisdom In this book is God's principles, and you can read it for your own benefit to give you the abundant life and to rise to greatness, or you can neglect it at your own peril. And that is just keeping it real. Open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, those of you who take notes, get your teaching notes out as well. They're on that card, or you can take notes in your Bible. Here's the first thing I want to say to us today, church. The Bible is uniquely inspired by God. Did you hear me? The Bible is uniquely inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to start in verse 12. If you're ready for the word of the Lord, say bring it. Everyone who wants to live a godly life. Now, that's enough to make you stop right there. Like, if you want to live a godly life, this is for you. If you don't want to read a, live a godly life, we're so glad you're here, but this is not for you. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, hello, will be what? Take note. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the, what church? The holy scriptures. Which are able to make you, help me, wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen closely. We looked at this verse last week. We looked at a few of these verses last week. And as I, after I left you last Sunday, I thought, there's still so much left in there. We've got to go back and revisit some of those passages. Verse 16, watch this. Why don't we read this next part together? Ready? Go. All Scripture is inspired by and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is right and wrong in our lives, so that the may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Leave that up there for a moment. All scripture is what? Is what? Inspired by who? 
by God, useful to teach us what is right and wrong, able to thoroughly equip us for every good work. The Bible is uniquely inspired by God. And maybe that's a newsflash to some of you. This is not just a normal man-made book. The church has always taught, I firmly believe that it is the rock-solid foundation on which the individual is to build his or her life and the rock-solid foundation on which the church is to live and breathe and have its being. Amen? Let me talk, let me talk. Yeah, you can clap for that, absolutely. Let me, let me, go ahead and clap, go ahead and clap for that. Because we should tell God we're thankful for his word. You're not, hey, when you clap out there, you're not clapping for me. We're clapping for God and him uniquely inspiring this book. Amen? Amen? So let me talk to you about a few ways in which it is uniquely inspired. First thing, composition. Composition. Unlike your average book, the Bible was written over a 1,600-year period. By 40 different authors with radically, listen, radically different backgrounds. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, 66 total books. It blesses me to look out here, and I bet it's happening at the campus as well, to see all of you guys taking notes. This is very important information. We want to raise up an informed, educated church. Amen? We don't want to be a church where you check your brain at the door. 66 books in the Bible. Again, 39 from the Old Testament, 27 from the New Testament. But here is what is amazing. All of these different authors, all of these different books, all of these different years, like I said, about 1,600. Authors from different backgrounds. And yet, when you read this book, there is... There is an internal consistency about the one central message that is communicated throughout the entire Bible. And this is the message. God loves you. God has a plan for you. Humanity has a problem. And God has brought forth the solution in Jesus Christ. That's the one message that just runs consistently throughout the entire book. Here's the second thing you need to know about this divinely inspired book. Let's talk about circulation. This makes it incredibly unique as well. No other book has ever come close to having been read and reread as much as the good book. Billions, I said billions, have been printed. Tens of millions continue to be sold every single year. You show me a worn out book and I will show you a life that is not. This book, when you grab it and you read it and you devour the word of the Lord, it has a way of taking care of your life. Let's talk about a third point of unique inspiration, durability. What is the word? Durability. It has survived bans and burnings. It has survived radical criticism throughout the history. Emperors and kings and princes and queens have tried to eradicate this book, but the word of God lives on, church. You cannot stomp out the word of God. There is no way. Here, here's the fourth thing, and, and I'm going to move on. This Bible is uniquely inspired with respect to life change. With respect to life change. People claim that it has had, and I stand up here and testify to you today to let you know that this book and the power of the Holy Spirit has changed my life. In fact, if the Bible has changed your life, for those who are out here and they're a little skeptical, right? If the Bible has changed your life, let me hear an amen. amen. This book changes lives. I was up in Kentucky. I told you a little bit of my story last week, but uh, I did some of my schooling up in Kentucky at Asbury Theological Seminary right before we started this church. And uh, we had a guest professor for a season, Dr. Haddon Robinson. 
one of the best preachers of all times, expositional preacher, old guy. I mean, he's an old saint of a man. He's written some of the best preaching books ever. And I went by Haddon Robinson's office one day, and we were just in there talking. He's a gentle, gentle saint of a man. And he, he kind of caught me off guard. He looked at me, and he said, Kelly, that's what he called me. He said, Kelly, do you believe you need the Holy Spirit to preach? Well, I didn't hesitate. I might not be the sharpest hack in the box, but I knew the answer to that. I said, well, yes, Dr. Haddison. I definitely need the Holy Spirit to help me preach. And he stood up, and he walked over to the bookshelf, and it was all of these classical, scholarly works that date way back into antiquity. And he said this to me. I'll never forget it. He said, I've never known anyone to read the classical scholars and have had their lives changed. But I have known thousands of people who have read the Bible. And as a result, their lives were changed forever. I'll never forget that moment. This book changes us. If you're ready for me to move on, say, preach it, pastor. Here's the second thing. The Bible uniquely combines relevance and reverence. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're going to have some fun with this one. The Bible uniquely combines what? With what? Did you pick up this truth in that verse? Take a look at it again. All scripture, all scripture is what? God breathed, that some of your translations say that, or inspired by God, and is what? Oh, my Lord. If it was just God inspired or God breathed, but it wasn't useful, we would have a problem on our hands. But the Bible is useful. I continue to be amazed at how this book was written over 2,000 years ago in the New Testament and close to 4,000 years ago in the Old Testament, and yet it continues to be so relevant. When I read the Bible, I don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads me. It's relevant. It's useful, right? Hebrews 4, let's read this out loud together. Hebrews 4, 12, ready? Go. For the word of God is living and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Listen to me, church. Notice that the word of God judges me. And that's, maybe that's why some of us don't read it. We don't like the Bible judging us. We live in a culture where no one wants to tell anyone they've done anything wrong. We live in, I'm, I'm about to go off. We, I, I'm coaching baseball right now and I shouldn't do this. This is not in my notes. But we live in a culture where it doesn't matter if you win or lose, you're going to get a trophy. I'm sorry, I'm from the old school. I think the winners should get the trophies. I'm just saying. We live in a culture where everybody wants to tell little Johnny and little Sue that everything is okay with them. I got news for you. Everything is not okay with little Johnny and little Sue. Everything is not okay with the Kelly kids. Everything is not okay with your pastor. I am broken. And this book tells me how I'm broken. And it fixes me. Listen to this. When we read the Bible, the Bible actually reads us and transforms us into the people of God. Notice that this book is living. It is active. When I read it, it has an agenda. It is relevant to what I'm doing any time, any place for 2,000 years, and it will be relevant for 2,000 years into the future if God continues to tarry and this old world keeps spinning. Amen. This Bible is relevant. It speaks to us where we are today. Reminds me of a teenage boy. How many of you got teenagers? I got three. God help us. Teenage boy. Wanted his driver's license. Man, he kept hounding his dad. Dad, I want my driver's license. I'm ready for my driver's license. And finally, the dad, and his smart parents do this, the dad thought, I'm going to leverage this moment. And he said, son, 
I understand you're old enough to get your license. And in fact, when I was your age, I got my license. But I was very different than you. And there's some things I've been wanting to talk to you about. You will get your license, son, when you pick your grades up. Let me hear the parents say amen. You will get your license, son, when you start doing chores around the house. Amen. And lastly, son, you will get your license when you cut your hair. And the guy was kind of, the son was taken back by it, but he thought he would take out and try to do it because he really wanted his license, right? You better leverage those moments, leverage those moments. And, and like three months later, the, 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 the teenage boy came back to the dad and said, Dad, I've been wanting to talk to you. How am I doing? I'm ready to get my license. And the dad said, well, you have been doing good. No doubt you've been doing your chores. No doubt. Good job, son. And I have noticed your grades have shot up from C's to A's. Good job, son. But I've been thinking that you haven't heard me clearly on your hair. Why have you not cut your hair? There's one more thing to do. And the, and the teenage boy said, no, 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 Dad, you don't understand. Dad, while I've been going busy at my homework, I decided to open up the Bible and read the Bible. And I discovered, I discovered as I read the Bible that Jesus had long hair. And his daddy said yes, and he walked everywhere he went too. This Bible is relevant to today. Not only is it relevant, but it is rightly reverent. You got to hold those two in tension. There is a healthy sense of reverence in this book for the divine. It is relevant to our lives, but it is reverent toward God. And so we have to be a church, listen to me, we have to be a church that is reverent to God. Amen. We have to be a church that takes God very, very seriously. Amen. But we don't take ourselves that seriously. Come on now. Some of, you, some of you take yourself far too seriously, but you don't take God serious enough. And what, what the church needs to do is the church needs to understand we take God seriously. God is worthy of our utmost reverence. Amen. We just don't take ourselves too seriously. Some of you come from churches where, man, it was all just so stiff and stoic and everybody was just so serious. Just so mad. I mean, just mean as snakes. Why? 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 I mean, religion, just pruny, stiff, stoic religion, man, where everybody looks like they ate a sour onion sandwich for breakfast. Ain't nobody got time for that. Why, why, why does a church suffer from that when you read the Bible? You find that the Bible is incredibly relevant and reverent. And so we as a church, we are going to do whatever we can do to reach people. We are a church that we are going to do whatever we can do to be relevant to the 21st century. Where we hold God, though, with the utmost reverence. I got a connect card. I love my connect cards. It's anonymous. I shared it with the staff a few weeks ago. I've been holding on to it. Just to share it with you. Because we get a lot of these. And by the way, don't turn in, uh, don't turn in uh, anonymous connect cards. They go right to trash bin 57. If you want to say something to this church, I got an idea. Be man or woman enough to put your name on it. So, but this, this person just pushed the right buttons. So it didn't go to the trash can. I will save it forever. And, and, and whoever wrote this, it might make it into the book I'm working on for New Hope Church. So congratulations, you just made it into a book, but probably not the way you wanted to make it into a book. Let me explain. So they say this, really? Question mark. So they asked the question, so I'm going to answer it. You played a secular song in church? And then you did it again this week? We don't have to stoop so low. And then they said, why? Question mark. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because this is a church that will do anything it takes 
short of sin to engage and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe I haven't said that enough lately, but let me let you know, if you're looking for a stiff, stoic, pruny church where the pastor wears a robe, but to a 21st century skeptic, unchurched person, it looks like he's wearing a dress, and they speak in 17th century Elizabethan King Jimmy, and everybody looks angry, and they're mad... This ain't the church for you. This ain't the church for you. If you're looking for a church that plays religious games, that wears masks, that judges people based on skin color, socioeconomic level, what they smell like, or even what they did last night, I want to love you enough to let you know you will never be happy here. Now you're clapping like you at the master's. That's New Hope Church. But if you're looking for a church, listen, that will do anything. And when I say anything, anything short of sin to reach people who are lost and dying and going to hell. If you're looking for a church that will do anything short of sin. I mean, if me bouncing on my head will bring people to faith in Christ, I'll try to bounce on my head on this screen. I will do anything it takes, again, short of sin, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just so you don't think this is just some pastor getting all off track, I got some verses for you. Come on now. Go read the Gospel of Matthew this week. You need to read the Bible. We're in the Bible series. Go read the Gospel of Matthew and read it through the lens. Check it out of how Jesus interacted with religious people. Be careful if you say, well, I'm a religious person. Religious people and religious leaders, let me be careful, got on Jesus' last nerve. He couldn't stand them, right? And the lost and the prostitutes and the sick and all of that. Those were the people who hung out with Jesus. Let me tell you something, church. Religious people are famous for staying away from as far as they can from those who Jesus loved to hang out with the most. I hope you caught that. Be careful about religion. Go read the Gospel of Matthew and read it through the lens of how Jesus interacted with religious people who wanted him to observe the Sabbath and do this and jump through that loop and look this way or that way. And Jesus said this, Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out. And the wineskins will be what church? No. They pour new wine into new wineskins and what? Both are preserved. Ours is a God who loves newness. Read the Bible and look at the word new throughout the Bible. Ours is a God who loves freshness. Ours is a God who loves creativity. When was the last time you looked at a zebra and said, who in the world created that? Ours is a God who loves new things. Isaiah said, our God is doing a new thing. I'm so passionate about this that I chose to call our church, not Hope Church, but New Hope Church. Because God is doing a new thing, church. And it all comes down to whether or not we are going to be passionate about the things for which God is passionate about. And God is passionate about reaching lost people. God will do whatever it takes to reach lost people. Ours is a church. Ours is a church that will stay passionate about the things that God is passionate about. Which is why I started this message asking you, who are you bringing? You might very well be the only Christian someone rubs shoulders with. How are you living your one and only life? If you, I, I hate to be so blunt about it, but if you can't invite a person to this kind of church, something's wrong. 
come on now. This is a church you can be proud to invite people to. They can come regardless of their skin color, regardless of what they look like, regardless of whether or not they believe. We're going to preach the gospel. But they will never find a more friendly church on the planet. Right? And Paul... Paul would pick up on this theme in 1 Corinthians 9, 20, and then 22 through 23, when he says this, to the Jew, I became a Jew to what? Win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law to do what? To win those under the law. Watch this, continue on. To the weak, I became what? Oh, that I might what? Read that last part with me. Ready? Go. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. Let's continue. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Some of you are there and you're sitting there and you're listening and you're liking it and you're enjoying it, but there's a part of you inside you're going, I just don't know. I just don't know. And you're thinking of verses of Scripture. Well, what about being in the world but not of the world? Right? What about this? What about that? Let me ask you a question. How many of you, and don't, don't show hands because you, <laughs> you need to keep this private. How, how many of you would be offended? Offended. If I had Pastor Fuller or any of the worship leaders, and by the way, are our worship leaders on those videos each week not awesome? Are they not awesome? What, what, would, I, would I offend you if I told them to go to the bars this weekend? Hit the bars, go. And grab the bar tunes. Grab the bar music. And bring it out of the bars and write some Christian lyrics to it. And let's rock the house for God. There's a lot of thinking going on right now. That's my intent. Good job. Do you know that that is exactly what the Wesley brothers did, John and Charles Wesley, as 18th century revivalists splitting off from the Church of England? Did you know that is exactly what Martin Luther did? Not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the the reformer, the Protestant reformer. We need a hymn up in here. I, I want to play a hymn for you. I, I thought we should stand and get stiff. You remember that? I can be a choir director. Just letting that settle in. That sounds good. I like an organ every now and then. Good job. <laughs> Martin Luther grabbed that out of the bar. Can't you just see people sitting in there getting drunk? <laughs> Martin Luther, who loved a good German beer, said, now that right there would be a great worship song. And pulled out. I'm not making this stuff up. Some of you are like, really? Yes. He pulled that tune out from a bar and made the great, great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. The church has to be a place that embraces relevance while holding to reverence. And that takes us to the third one because some of you are like, I don't know, this is all so uncomfortable. You're going to love number three. Number three, the Bible uniquely teaches doctrinal purity. Now, for some of you, this final word will come as a great relief. Without the third component, come on, let's just be real. All of this talk about relevance could be a slippery slope. Right? If all we had was a desire to be relevant and reverent, but we didn't have a Bible to teach us doctrinal purity, we would be in trouble. Are you with me? 
It is this third point that we hold in tension with a church being relevant that enables us to be a church like New Hope. The reality is that some things will always change. And some of you hate change. You just hate change. Some things will always change. But some things never change. Did you hear me? Watch this. Why don't you read this out loud with me? It's about methods and principles. I love this. Ready? Read this. Methods are many and principles are few. Methods always change, but principles, come on now. Come on. We are not a church that ever believes in changing the word of God. Amen? We are a church that never believes in changing or altering or adjusting the principles of God. Amen? But our methods must always change. The Bible says this. Here's another great verse to read out loud. Hebrews 13, 8. Let's read this out loud together really strong. And this should get you fired up. Jesus Christ is the yesterday, today, and forever. One more time. Let's start from the top. Go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I don't know about you, but in a world of changing cultural values, in a world where there are just a plethora of voices trying to shape us, in a world that is trying to shape us in morality, I'm thankful that the Word of God and Jesus Christ never changes, church. Amen. I'm thankful that God has given us his word and he never changes. So I just want to be honest with you as a church. Some of you are still checking us out. That's what you need to know about us. Hey, as you can tell, we won't take ourselves very seriously. And we probably won't take you too seriously either. If you're one of those who likes to come in and just dominate everything. But we will take God seriously. And we will do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. I mean anything. We'll try it. We'll fail and we'll admit it when we fail, right? When we fall short, we'll admit it. But we will keep trying to do any and everything we can to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what else you need to know. We will never, ever, ever water down what this book teaches. We will preach this book. If anybody steps foot on this platform to teach the word of God, we will make sure they believe this is the inspired word of God and we don't play with the word. We preach it as it is because God has given it to us. It is inspired and it helps us keep our doctrine pure. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. One more verse of scripture. For the time will come. See, this is what I mean about the Bible being so relevant. Listen to this. For the time will come, says the Bible, when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Oh, my Lord. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Never on the New Hope Watch will that happen. We will love any and everyone. We will create a hospitable, friendly church. I believe one of the friendliest churches on the planet. We will welcome any and all, regardless of anything. But we will never, ever, ever water down the word of the Lord. We will never, ever, ever teach what secular society in a pluralistic culture, what their itching ears want to hear. We will preach this word in season or out, comforting or uncomfortable. You will know when you come to this church 
that I will always do my very best to have spent the week in the Word and step forth to preach the Word. Period. This is the way this church has always been. Maybe you don't know this. There's a little bit of story here. When we built this building, it wasn't very long ago, but can I show you a few pictures? Here we are. We're some staff. We're in our office, and, and, and there we are. And we're writing on this huge piece of paper. We write down our favorite scripture verses, and we let a lot of leaders in the church do it as well. And then right out there where the baptistry is, right out there, before they laid the concrete. Let me show you the next picture. We laid out the word of the Lord underneath the concrete and the baptistry. Let me show you another picture here. This is James 4.10. Right after we buried that out there, and some of you will remember this, before we laid the carpet all over this church, we invited you out one night. It was after a Christmas Eve service, if I'm not mistaken. We worshiped in the parking lot, remember? And then a thousand or so of us came into this building, and we took permanent markers, and I told everybody, just write your favorite verse or two or three down on the floors, and we're going to cover it with carpet. And I took this picture. What a great verse. Why don't we read it out loud together? Ready? Go. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will. That's a great verse of scripture. Amen? We, we, we had scriptures. So every, I mean, it was like everywhere, every square foot of this building, wherever you see carpet, there's scripture underneath to say that we want this church to be built upon the foundation of the word. Before, after they did that and they laid the carpet, then they were getting ready to build this, this platform up. And, and I told them, I said, stop. And I came in here and I laid a big, giant Bible right here under this platform. So that every Sunday morning when I get up here to try my best to preach the word of the Lord or some other pastor gets up here and they try to preach, I wanted a reminder in our minds that we do not stand upon pop culture. We do not stand upon what people want their itching ears to hear. We stand upon the word of the Lord and it stands forever. The word of God for the people of God. Hear me out, church. Please hear me out. This book is the mind of God. It's the state of man. It's the way of salvation. It's the doom of sinners and it's the happiness of believers. Can I get an amen? amen. This book, its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Can I get an amen? Here is paradise restored. Come on, church. Heaven opened and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is the grand subject. Our good is its design and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth. It's a paradise of glory, a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts and it will lead you, this is perfect, right toward next week, Calvary, to the empty tomb, to the resurrected life in Christ, to glorious self, to all of eternity. Oh God, let us be a people of the book, the word, the voice of God. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Father, we praise you. Stand to your feet, church, and all of our campuses. Stand to your feet. Father, we praise you for the good book, for the word of God. Let us be a people of the book. Let us be a people who read and study, hear and apply your voice. Thank you for teaching us, God. Thank you for the doctrinal purity that this book gives us. Thank you for inspiring it, God. We do not take it for granted.
we stand today. And God, I pray every single Sunday under the reliable and authoritative word of God. Oh God, may we teach it to our children. May we teach it to our students. God, may we teach it to ourselves. And may new hope ever be a people that resembles what this book teaches. God, may we ever be a people who will do any and everything it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ. Let us not be afraid to try anything. But God, let us also be a book that, a people that holds to the doctrinal purity that is found in this book. May we ever hold those two in tension. And God, may you continue to grow the church that you want to grow. May we put our own agendas aside. And may we let your holy book shape the direction, the trajectory, the doctrine, and the methods by which new hope lives and breathes and has its being. We thank you for it, God. If you're here today, and you would say, you know what, I'm tired of being ignorant about the book. I'm tired of not reading the book. I've fallen out of habit. And today, going forward, I'm going to engage the word of the Lord. Today, going forward, I'm going to engage the best technology I can embrace to read the Bible. version and other CDs and technology. Today, I'm going to go forth and get me a Bible, an old school Bible, and I'm going to crack it back open, and I'm going to read it for my marriage and my parenting and my singleness. If something inside of you has stirred up and you would recommit to not looking for things that your itching ears are wanting to hear, but to actually read the book and let it shape you and judge you and bring you to the ways of God, if that's you and you would embrace being a student of this book. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just lift it up high. Just lift it up. That's what I thought. It's about everybody. I can't imagine you wouldn't raise your hand. Just lift your hands up high. Just lift them up. Lord Jesus, at all of our campuses, we raise our hands just to say we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. And we place ourselves under that authority. Shape us. Read us. Judge us, encourage us, inspire us to be a church of the Bible. For we pray it in the name of Jesus. And the people of God said together, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, praise his name, church. Praise his name. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.